It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Guess what? <laughs> How's it going? Welcome to episode number 589 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, October the 24th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball. If you're a fantasy head, Josh Lloyd does a great job covering you over there. If you are a hockey fan, the Locked On NHL Network is up and running. We've got about two-thirds of the teams covered right now. If your team isn't covered yet, don't worry. It will be covered very soon, so stay tuned there. We've got a national show as well to whet your appetite for a big-picture NHL talk. Please make sure you're checking it out, subscribing, rating, reviewing, supporting all the hosts that you want to support on the network. It's very much appreciated. And uh, also, if you are still in the market for post-title nostalgia, memorabilia, all that stuff, you can buy We the Champs still. It's still available at Indigo and TriumphBooks.com, wherever you get your books. It's very much appreciated if you pick up a copy of that. All right, on today's show... We're going to talk a little bit more about the season opener, get into some deeper stuff, and maybe some concerns regarding a certain seven foot one Spanish guy who drank a lot of wine in the summer. And joining me to talk about that and so much more as the Raptors have a back-to-back looming on Friday and Saturday, making his debut on the podcast, a long overdue yeah. debut after I uh, just kind of neglected and forgot to ask him a lot, and I feel bad about it, for love, Raptors love, HQ. <laughs> for Raptors HQ, it's Jacob Mack. How are you, pal? I'm good. Uh, I want to add also to the intro, make sure you use the Capspace code for 50% off uh, your first purchase. Remember, we talk about Capspace all the time on the show. Let them know you came from us. What's up, Sean Woodley? How's it going, pal? I'm pretty good. Uh, I had most of yesterday off because there were a bunch of people in my class doing an assignment, but uh, I decided I was going to cover the Raptors home opener instead of some boring political event, so I got to stay home. I don't have class until... uh, noon today so you know i'm hanging out that's amazing out, having a good time can't recommend that was cool yeah can't recommend enough doing sports related things if you're in a journalism program in school uh i was at carlton journalism where they're very snooty about sports for some dumb reason and i still laughed in the face every time they said go cover a live event and i'm like all right 67's game it is <laughs> and, yeah yeah uh, my guy said he, i wasn't allowed to recover like cover the outcome of the game so i wasn't because I wasn't allowed in the in the arena, right? Uh-huh. So I decided I was just like, okay, I'll go to Jurassic Park and I'll talk about you know the art installation and the new street, and basically just go there to watch the game <laughs> and uh, talk to some people about basketball. So yeah, it was a good time. Speaking of uh-huh. uh, the opener, still yeah. some lingering sort of things to talk about from that game. A lot happened, man. It was yeah, no, jam packed with. Uh, 
uh, like weird basketball things. Also, the the pregame ceremony kind of made me forget there was a basketball game for a very long time. And... I think it made the Raptors forget there was a basketball game. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a rough start for the Raps in that game. Uh, Nick Nurse said that they should have been down by 20 at halftime. And, you know, hard to argue. They, they didn't look... Eight, eight turnovers in the first quarter? Yeah. Or was, it that, was, it, was that the first half? I, think... I, I remember some ludicrous statistic like that. Yeah, coming it, up on, uh, the broadcast. it felt like every time they went down the floor, they were just sort of choking it away. Weird sort of growing pains stuff for Pascal Siakam and whatnot. Uh, Fred Van Vliet had a couple turnovers. Kyle even had a couple sort of instances where yeah, he wasn't... Yeah, Kyle was, was kind of punting it all over the court initially. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think he seemed... I mean, he was more involved in the ceremony for it than anyone else, so I guess that's that's his excuse, but he was <laughs> he looked not good in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember. Obviously, um, they sorted things yeah. out as it went along, um, and things yeah. got a little more tight in the second half, but... Uh, one of the concerns I sort of wanted to bring up with you, because you are a person who has mentioned this, going back to all the way back to when he was traded for back at the mm-hmm. deadline last mm-hmm. season, was Marcus Saul, who wasn't awesome. I think he just had three points in the game. He, he looked more washed than Assad. He looked, he, looked, <laughs> he looked pretty bad. Yeah, it was yeah. not great. And I think the main thing, the main sort of sticking point was the... Uh, the complete and utter fear in his eyes every time he touched the ball in in the post and for for me that no, that like that's not a concern how bad he is on post ups because I don't think I don't think we need to post him up yeah my concern is how slow he looked like I remember when I was like seven years old <laughs> I uh, was racing against my dad as practice for cross country and I ran down to the end of my, end of my street and I turned around and my dad was halfway down the street right like got washed in a in a race by an eight year old. And Mark is all about as old as my dad was then, and I'm starting to understand like why my dad lost so badly because I remember that roll man possession, that roll man possession where he, he ended up getting an and one, mm-hmm. but he had a wide open lane, and he caught the ball on the roll, and it was like one one thousand, two one thousand, <laughs> three one thousand, finish. And then it's like it's it's like you know you sort of take the the guys who catch the ball when they dive, you know, for granted, right? Mm-hmm. That that they're gonna finish the play. But when he caught that ball, it's like, okay, so this is this is an easy finish. And then it wasn't an easy finish. It was like, holy shit. Like, this guy, after a long, arduous summer, which, I mean, plausible, but he's either that or he's done, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't you can't move like that and and be, like, a consistent NBA contributor. Like, last, last year, he was sort of like he was teetering on the brink, but he was just so smart. And he knew so much about the game that he couldn't make up for it because he was always in the right place before he needed to be. But this year, it's like it's like he's too slow to even do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was coming out high on on ball screens, and he was getting caught out on that. He would get a deflection, or he would have recovered. He would have recovered and given his guy given his guy some time. But he was just getting stuck out there, stuck high on screens. And it's not like you know Frank Jackson is a particularly a depth passer it's not like he's getting the ball out of those traps very quickly it's not like he's you know this this incredible driver right it, it's just that Gazal was you know he was really slow and I hope I hope they rest him in that Bulls game on the second night of the back-to-back and mm-hmm. hopefully it's just a it's just like a long summer and he can he can start to to get his legs back but no he looked really bad 
Yeah, he. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't quite as displeased with what he did when he was coming up high. Like he forced, I think, a couple steals. And again, Frank Jackson, right? I know yeah. the point you're making, but like he looked pretty okay doing that thing where he sort of just like finds himself way too far away from the basket and somehow makes it work. And so that I think is sort of what gave me a little bit of hope. I think that maybe he's going to round it a form here. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt after what was an insanely long summer, and I would hope that the team is going to... He's 35, though, man. He is 35, but, He's like... 35. Guys tend to hit... Like, that's 34, 35. That's when guys hit a wall. Like, that's when guys hit a wall, and that's what... That was... You know, that's what's concerning for me, because obviously he didn't hit that wall last year, and he was still very useful in a role-player context, but I think you look at the fact that he had he had a, a, a significant shrink in usage in Memphis, mm-hmm. which is already an offensively started team then he went to a total fourth option fifth option role in toronto and was very effective in that role but if he's going to be a fourth option fifth option again this year right you have to expect a decline in effectiveness right because he is 35 now and it's like if you're only like an average fourth option fifth option like the raptors the raptors kind of need a little more i felt like they 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 really needed him to be like a guy who was just like a significant. Uh, I don't. I don't want to bury him. I don't want to bury him. <laughs> I, I hope it's just wear and tear, man. But I'm. I'm. I'm really nervous about him just not being a, a viable contributor. Before we continue on today, I want to tell you about my bookie. This is my favorite time of the year. It's amazing, and you know exactly why. There's sweater weather, there's leaves on the ground, and there's also threes from downtown. That's right, for some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it is ball season. Pro and college basketball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. There are so many ways for you to bet with my bookie. For instance, if you like to try to bet a little to win a lot, you can try a part parlay bet on the big favorites for the week parlays are perfect because it lets you bet multiple games together for a bigger payout either way if you're going to bet this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win the ncaa is back in action as well and it's time to turn your attention from carving pumpkins to the spartans carving up defenses Cassius winston returns for his senior year trying to prove that he has what it takes to bring a championship to michigan state you can use your basketball knowledge that i've just passed along to you michigan state is good Cassius winston is good go bet on michigan state and Cassius winston at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid if you really want to support your team this season don't just sit on the sidelines get in on the game with mybookie.ag and if you join right now mybookie will double your first deposit use the promo code locked on nba to activate the offer that's the promo code locked on nba all one word to double your cash with mybookie on your first deposit visit mybookie.ag today you play you win and you get paid The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I, I get it. I I'm, I mean, it's one game, so I'm going to like give it some time to see you know how things go. And as he gets, he didn't practice I much. Concerned. I was concerned prior to that one. That's day. fair. No, I'm not saying that yeah. uh, you weren't. I know this has kind of been a thing that you've been on. And hey, it's fair. Like he is 35, and walls do happen. But my sort of counter to that is like 
he didn't play much in the preseason. It was a weird preseason with like travel and jet lag. Like it's not exactly a restorative period that they're in. And yes, they're now into the the schedule of the NBA, and it's never going to be all that restorative for him. I think they're probably going to load manage him pretty carefully this year, if not just as a means to keep him fresh for later in the season and the playoffs, but as a way to sort of keep him a viable trade piece. Because if he is, you know, wearing down, he's not going to look any better if he's playing every single game as well. And then that's, if they are looking to move him, I don't think that's going to look exactly appealing to some team out there looking to pick him up. Although, I don't know, there might just be a bidding war among teams that might play uh, Joel Embiid in the playoffs anyway. So, uh, Well, I was going to, yeah, there there, there might be a, like, that's a, totally reasonable reason to reasonable reason jesus uh that's a totally fair reason to to keep him on it's just like that particular matchup because if you think if you think you're going to be the three seed that's your second round matchup Mm -hmm. um at the same time i think the fact that he is probably he and abaka are the raptors biggest salary ballast right and Mm -hmm. you can look at you know obviously brad beal's off the market but maybe they put themselves in the mix for someone like an andre drummond who's going to almost certainly be shopped at this point now that uh now that Blake Griffin is is out for the year right I think he's probably he's probably the biggest name on the trading block that's not a Toronto Raptor at this point uh you know he's not confirmed to be on the block but you have to assume he will be yeah I I heard your your uh, he looked he looked really good in in the Pistons in the Pistons opening game they, yeah. they upset they upset somebody I forget who it was Jesus the Pacers uh, who are not any great shape yeah they're they're bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're bad but the Pistons the Pistons without Blake Griffin should not beat them uh, yeah he looked he looked really good in that game he looked uh, like just a I mean it's the Pacers again so you know you got Miles Turner as your lead, like your primary rebounder so you no know, maybe 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 not that indicative maybe not that indicative again it's one game. But uh, you know, I think Andre Drummond gets a little bit of a little bit of a bad rap. I think he's a he's terrible against Joel Embiid, though. <laughs> which is, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think like if you're trying to keep your options open and flexibility beyond 2021 as well, like Drummond's gonna be up for money soon, and like I don't want to be the one to pay that guy money. I just... Well, how much? How okay? So like, wh- how much are team is a team really gonna pay him this off season though? Right? Like, there's not gonna be much cap space out there. Because guys are like guys are getting extended left, right, and center, right? Mm-hmm. And like, who is in the market for a center? Well, he has a twenty-eight point eight million dollar player option for next year. So right. if, he's, you, de- if, if he's if he's declining opts, it, it, opts into that player option, right? Sure. If he opts into that player option, then his contract and his contract ends. Look, okay, let's not let's not do trade talk. Let's not do trade talk after day one. His contract ends though in the in the Giannis season. Yes, Giannis, Giannis wants out now. Oh baby, we could do yeah. an entire show on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's my countryman. Make sure you have me on the on the show for that one. Man, my the 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 salivary the salivary glands were out of control yesterday when that uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel thing came out. <laughs> I was wondering what that sound was. Now I get it. Uh, Giannis-related yeah. mouth sounds. I'm, that, yeah. I'm cool with that. Um, anyway, yeah. Andre Drummond looked good last night. I don't want him on the Raptors. But that's okay. not, that's besides the point. Uh, Gasol... Oh, yeah, you're Terrence Ross fan. That's why. That's why. I've solved your... I've solved the case, Sean Woodley. You don't want him because you like Terrence Ross too much. And we picked we picked him over Drummond? Yeah. Is that what we did? 
Yeah. yeah. That's, why, that's why you don't want him. Okay. <laughs> what, what did you want to talk about? What did you want to talk about next? No, so with with Gasol maybe yeah. looking uh, a little old or whatever we want to call yeah. it, uh, there was, I think, some surprise, especially for me, in the opener when Serge Ibaka didn't really get much run late in the game. He, you know, got in for like a couple minutes of crunch time, then was quickly swapped back out. I think Gasol played the entire overtime. And I'm curious because in the summer you talked about this. The Raptors right now are kind of starving for dudes who are just like ready to take shots. They don't really have like a gunner on the team. Serge is probably the closest thing unless you want to consider Norm. Um, although Norm had a couple nice playmaking flashes in the in the opener and maybe he can expand on that. I'm not terribly confident, but... Maybe that's there. But with Serge, like, he doesn't pass. He doesn't want to pass. He just wants to shoot all the time. And you made a point, uh, I'm not sure if it was at a piece over the summer or just on Twitter, about how Serge Ibaka might fit in the Raptors starting five, despite the fact that he doesn't have a ton of passing acumen. The fact that he's just willing to be the funnel to which all shots kind of go towards might be kind of useful in what this lineup is going to be. Are you still sort of thinking that? I look at I look at Pascal Siakam running a thirty five percent usage rate in that opening night. Again, obviously one game, right? So it's a very small sample. But you know, Marcus All was I think he was at you know ten ten to somewhere between ten and fifteen percent usage, right? Which is you can't like no with OG and Anobi in the starting lineup as well. You really can't have that because like thirty five percent Pascal did Pascal did well, but. I don't think that the Pelicans were well-equipped to defend him. They were running out Brandon Ingram at the four, right? Their rim protection, they only played Derek Favors like 20 minutes, so they were protecting the rim with like Nicola Melli and stuff like that, right? And obviously we're going to see more of that on uh, Friday when we match up against Boston. They're running Jason Tatum at you know their front court positions. But not every team is going to be that thin, that thin up front, and you're you're not going to be able to have Pascal Siakam run an invisible 35% usage rate. You need someone who is able to get these, you know, easily generated shots up, right? Like the Raptors only, I think they only put up five mid-range shots last last uh, last game, but mm-hmm. it's like that's that tends to be like when you when you run your offense and there's no breakdown that tends to be what you generate right is like a, a, a mid-range shot usually if you're if you execute it well you'll get an someone like a Serge Ibaka or uh you know just someone who's a who's a good mid-range catch and shoot guy and obviously Gasol Gasol can get those opportunities right he'll just pass them up like mm-hmm. right away and I think you saw that a couple times where he last game where he caught the ball on the perimeter and he had time to shoot, but he made the extra pass. And by the time he made the extra pass, the defense had recovered. Mm-hmm. Right? I think I saw that a couple times happen a couple times in the opener. And the Raptors, the Raptors are a team at this point where they don't have that, you know, this like disgustingly good late clock off someone like Kawhi Leonard. And it's it's sort of a thing where where you need that first good shot needs to be the shot that you take in the half court because you're not going to get a better shot than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I, I still think the the surge 18-footer in the pick-and-pop is going to be a pretty easy shot for them to get. And, and like that'll be a shot they get with Gasol too. And to your point, if he's not taking it, then what the hell are you doing? Um, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I... This sort of leads me into Chris Boucher talk as well. Because, so the... Rotation was only eight guys in the first game, and maybe it's just because Patrick McCaw and Rondé were out, and those guys figured to be the 9 of 10 guys, blah. Um, and maybe it's just because it was opening night, and you wanted to win the game, and it was an intense atmosphere, all that stuff, and you sort of treated it more like a playoff game than you would a regular season game in December. But Chris Boucher had himself a pretty decent preseason. He kind of has that same sort of gunnerish style that Abaka has is there a case for Chris Boucher to you to be in the rotation I, I should, am very I in the rotation what's that I think I think he should be yeah. I think they, they they need they need a, a third a third point guard that they trust and they need they which unfortunately I think is going to be Patrick McCaw and uh, they need a, they need another big right they need someone they need someone that they can put out there with and I think Boucher is, is is useful because you can really play him with any of the Raptors, you know, three other like dedicated front court guys. Even not probably not with OG Ananobi. I think that's too thin in terms of rebounding. But you mm-hmm. can play him with Gasol. You can play him with Ibaka. You can play him with Siakam, and you could feel happy about any of those combinations. And I think that you know Gasol was playing. Gasol was playing too much. Right, he was playing too much on uh, on opening night. I think he played 32 minutes. You know, as someone at someone who's 35 should not be playing 32 minutes a game, right? So I think Boucher. I think he needs to get in there. Maybe if even if it's only for like 10, 15 minutes a night. And I think they need someone who can take, you know, seven minutes away from Kyle Lowry, seven minutes away from Fred VanVleet. Just put put them on the floor at the guard spot with uh, Pascal Siakam and four other bench guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, because because you can't be playing Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet thirty five plus minutes a game, you know, Lowry is just going to like crumble into fucking dust before he gets <laughs> to, gets to that second year on his on his contract, right? It's not they 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 need to expand the rotation. Obviously, again, you mentioned the playoff atmosphere. It it it's like I feel like everyone would be like, you know, really excited, like even if they lost that game, mm-hmm. like because it, it was a good game and it was ring night it was banner night you know everyone's having a time but it's nice it's nice to get that win so maybe that's where it comes from maybe that's where the shorter rotation comes from and maybe it's you know maybe like i mentioned pat mccall is probably going to be that third guard tragically um <laughs> i'd rather see shamari pons out there they just signed him i liked him he mm-hmm. was a first round talent for me um but uh yeah it's probably gonna be pat mccall it and you know it could have been ronde I mean, he trash-talked Rondé, Nick Nurse trash-talked Rondé throughout the preseason, but I felt like he was more directing that towards Stanley Johnson. But I think I think Boucher showed, showed more than Rondé in preseason. I'm going to be totally honest. I like Rondé a lot, mm-hmm. but I think I think Boucher just showed more. Just in terms of, like, Rondé kind of needs to hold the ball, and he's kind of a maniac when he does, whereas Boucher, Boucher just gets the shot up, right? And we have yeah. a lot of guys who, who hold the ball already, you know? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. I, I, my reservations with Boucher, I've made pretty clear on this show. Like, I, I just think, like, do it against NBA guys once, please. Because, like, every time he's done anything, it's in the G League or it's in garbage time or it's in the last game of the season against the Wolves. And I'm just not really sold on his ability to sort of level it up. He seems like a perennial, like, quad A player. But, I mean... This season, it can't hurt to just like give them some run and see what happens. The expectations are low. They're still going to be a good team. They're not in any risk of missing the playoffs, I don't think. So 
why well, not see? And I, I'm really curious to see how Nurse approaches the rotation going forward because I was expecting something closer to like 11 or 12 guys early on as he sort of tries to find his guys. It seems as though he doesn't have any guys in that back end of the roster yeah, right now that he yeah. even like remotely trusts. And so I I wonder how he's going about, to gonna go about finding those guys if he doesn't just like throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, are there anyone, is there anyone else on the back end of the bench that you were hoping to see in the opener that you'd like to see maybe uh, get some run in the back-to-back? You would assume over the back-to-back I, some other guys yeah. are going to play. I, I think Malcolm Miller is probably their, their ninth best player. It's hard, though, because I feel like he really does feel, feel the same role as guys like Terrence Davis and Norm Powell because he's 6'7", he's I think he's listed at, but mm-hmm. he plays really small right? mm-hmm. defensively. You're not going to throw him on a, on a power forward. Right? You're really going to throw them all on twos and threes. You know, he's a two-three catch-and-shoot wing, which is what those two other two guys are. So I'd, I'd like to see him get worked in, but it's just it's, it's really hard to find where those minutes are just because he has, you know, he's duplicative with two other guys on the roster already. So I think he's the other guy worth mentioning. Matt Thomas is totally useless defensively, mm-hmm. like we all knew he would be. Um, and then... The, his project guys I did mention Shamari Pons who they just signed uh, he was getting frozen out of uh, I think it was he was with the Rockets for preseason mm-hmm. uh, he was getting frozen out of their rotation which I didn't like because like I said I thought he was a first round talent he was an incredible scorer in college I think he averaged like 23 points per game in like a in I think the Big East so he was playing for, for St. John's mm-hmm. and he was just getting all their shots up and he's a he could be a really interesting, you know, scoring guard type uh, type guy if they if they want a gunner. He's a guy to look at. Um, but I, I think he's probably going to be stuck in the G League. Just granted, because he's an undrafted, you know, two way guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that would be the other. I would look at him over Pat McCaw just because he'll get shots up and Pat McCaw won't. So yeah, I uh, take your time, Pat. Make sure you're healthy. Okay. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, just milk that if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, no, please come back so that Kyle, like I said, so that Kyle doesn't, like, spontaneously combust before December. Yeah. That would be, that would be nice. Yeah, I'm really, there's some, I mean, again, one game, but there were some very 2014-15 vibes with how we just, like, carried the team in, yeah. in that season and t- totally broke down for the Wizards series. And hopefully... That's not the case this time around. Yeah. Uh, I again, I think the, the rotation will get a little bit, bit deeper as we get into the, these weekend games against Boston and Chicago. Jacob, let's quickly touch on those games. Uh, we're not doing like a yeah. basketball related podcast on Friday. Katie's going to come on and we're going to talk about how hungry are you. So stay tuned for that. Um, All right. So we'll touch on the Boston and Chicago games now. Anything you're particularly interested in to see from either of those teams or what the Raptors do to uh, game plan for them? Um, well, I'm very happy that we get to play the Boston Celtics because they have the you know delightful Ennis Cantor at starting center, starting at center for them, mm-hmm. and uh, they have no one who will be able to keep Pascal Siakam out of the paint, and it's just going to be it's going to be similar to what we saw to what we saw against the Pelicans. Only hopefully he has his touch around the rim, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit better because you know, it's just going to be way too easy for him. I, I see that that as being sort of the dictating factor. And I think on the other end. With the Celtics, you know, you have Jalen Brown probably being guarded by Kyle Lowry, which 
like they're not going to get anything in their other matchups, right? You've got Fred VanVleet, you know, ding up Kemba Walker. You've got OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam on Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, right? So they're not getting anything there. And if you're going to throw the ball to Jalen Brown against Kyle Lowry in the paint, you know, massive <laughs> contract or not, like, please go ahead. Please be my guest. Like, do that. And it's really not going to end. It's really not going to end well for you. So, yeah, the Celtics, the Celtics, I don't know. On theory, on theory, right, really all they lost was Al Horford, but holy shit, they lost Al Horford, and they weren't <laughs> that good, right? Like, how are, how, are they supposed, how are they supposed to be the three seed? How was everyone picking this team as the three seed? Because they looked terrible in that opening game against the Sixers. Yeah, their defense is going to suck shit. <laughs> like, I, it could be like a bottom seven or eight defense, I think, pretty easily, even though they have some, like, switchable wings, I suppose. But, like, I feel like... Gordon Hayward has suddenly been dubbed this good defender, which I've never really seen in I any mean, sort of extended Al stretch. Behind him, he's a good defender. Yeah, but now he's and his canter behind or Rudy Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So there's that, and like Kemba. As much as I love Kemba, I feel like maybe he's also been built up to be a little bit more than what he is. We talked about this, uh, I think, on the Tuesday show with Lewis. So I, I don't have to rehash it, but. The Yeah, I, I am excited to see them play the Celtics. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be one of those like styles make fights types of games because the Raptors are this uh, not very great offense that are probably going to have an easier time sort of carving apart the Celtics defense while the Raptors defense will be tested by what the Celtics can do because I, I do think they are going to be a very good offensive team. I think that's kind of how they'll have to survive if they're going to do anything of note this year in the East. So uh, I, I think they can be a really good transition team just because you look at their wings and it's like, they have not necessarily half-court ball handlers, but in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, they have three guys who can take it off the glass and take it themselves, right? Yeah. Whereas you look at, some, like, the Raptors' wings, right? Like, OG Ananobi is not going to take it off the glass and push, mm-hmm. right? Just because he can, you know, he, he dribbles like he's about to fall over in any minute, right? <laughs> so, like, I think they can be a really good transition team. Half-court, I don't see Jason Tatum being a guy that you throw to in the post in isolation, and he really creates a good look for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of like Otto Porter Jr., but a little bit better at this point in his career. So, no, we'll see. I, I don't know how good offensively they're going to be. I think they're going to be very reliant on transition, and they're going to go as Kemba Walker goes, which, uh, I mean, didn't really work out for the Charlotte Hornets. So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something to remember with Kemba as well. That There might cool. be some sort of like through line as to why those teams always underperformed their expected win total, but that's but beyond me. I mean he's suggest. he's a really exciting player to watch, but you look at you look at him and it's just like, well, he runs a really high usage on average efficiency, right? Like, you know, like someone like uh, our old friend DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Right? Because he can't you know, he's not a he's not a great finisher, right? He's get at given how, you know, small he is. Right? It's mostly it's mostly just mid range pull ups, three point pull ups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all, if it's all jump shooting, how efficient can you really be? So yeah, it'll it'll be I, I think I think transition is really going to be where they find where they find their ceiling. But we have good guys for that in terms of you know having Lowry as one of the best you know transition defending guards in the league. Although Gasol, Gasol is slow as shit, so you know. <laughs> uh, that I don't seems know how much like we want him running the floor. Yeah, that seems like a good way to bring it full circle and take us to the end of the show. Uh, Jacob, man, thank you so much for coming on for your debut on the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I tried. Yeah, no. Uh, where can people check out your work? Anything you want to plug? 
Um, you can check out my work on Raptors HQ, and I do very good work on Twitter. Um, please do not follow me. If you're following me, consider unfollowing me. I, I waste uh, a lot of people's time. All right. That's it. <laughs> uh, sell yourself better than that, dude. Jacob's great. Yeah. Jacob's smart. Jacob's fun. Uh, everybody loves Jacob, as they say. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On NHL Network, the Locked On NBA National shows. We got a ton of stuff going on over at the network for you to uh, put in your ears and uh, you know fill all the time that you want to waste uh, to your heart's content. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. As I mentioned, Friday, Katie Heinel is going to come on. We're going to talk about Serge Ibaka and Kevin Durant on How Hungry Are You. It's going to be fun, of course. A uh, nice return of the How Hungry Are You episode, so stay tuned for that. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 